We just heard the story of the call of Samuel, which is also a way that we know that Samuel encountered God. And so in these Sundays after Epiphany, we hear stories from the scriptures about people who are encountering God in various ways. And so from Samuel, we now go to the Gospel of John, where people also encounter God in the person of Jesus. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like for us to spend just a few moments this morning looking at that scripture that Alex read to us from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3, the story of Samuel's call into ministry. And I'd like for us to think about how that might impact our own lives as we think about how God might be leading us this year or in the next year, especially as it comes to decisions, transitions that we find ourselves in. So let's spend a few minutes looking at Samuel. There are a series of calls that the scriptures open up to us, and they're all important, and they're also generally very strange calls. Abraham is called to leave his hometown and move to another area, and he does so faithfully. Moses is called and remember the story of the burning bush. Samuel is called in these scriptures that we read today. Isaiah says, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. Jeremiah is called and complained basically his whole ministry about how he had been called to ministry. Jonah was called to ministry and ended up going the other way. The disciples are called Saul was called on his way to, uh, on the way that he found himself encountering Jesus and his name was changed to Paul. And you are called as well. God is continuing to speak in our lives. So let us pay attention 
and say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This time of, of the scriptures that Samuel's uh, story finds herself as a period of transition. We found ourselves in a period of what's called the judges. There were famous judges like Samson who grew long hair. Deborah was a leader of the people as well. These were temporary leaders that God would raise up for a particular crisis and get everybody back together and then their leadership would be uh, no longer needed and then chaos would continue to go. Then this period of Samuel leads us to the people of moving from a tribal nation where they were all collected and not really working together. But Samuel leads us into a time where Israel is moving towards a monarchy, where there is a centralized government under one king. And so the tribes that used to be fighting amongst each other become more centralized and unified under kings. And Samuel is so important in the life of Israel that he is the one who calls and anoints Saul as the first king. And then when Saul no longer follows God's will, then, Saul, then, then Samuel anoints David to be his successor. After the kings fell apart and other uh, powers came in to be, then God no longer necessarily worked through the kings, but God began working through prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos and Hosea, all these people who listened for God's word and reminded the people that you are God's people and you need to return back to be faithful to the Lord. So this is a period of transition for the people of Israel. And I would offer to you that it is not unlike what we are experiencing today as being a people of transition. Samuel is called to ministry as a prophet. The story that that Alex read for you starts where the boy is serving the Lord under Eli, but it ends with, with Samuel being a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. So this is a huge story for, Saul, for, Samuel, sorry, for Samuel to understand that how he was called by God to be a leader, to be a prophet for the Lord. I really like that phrase, the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. He probably didn't preach every Sunday. <laughs> so how do we know? How do we know in our lives how God is leading us? Because we assume that God, and we understand and we're faithful to believe, that the story of the Bible is the story of God, people, God, God calling people to ministry and to service. And then the story of the New Testament is that Jesus was sent by God and Jesus calls us. So how do we know? Well, let's talk a little bit about spiritual discernment. If you look up discernment in the dictionary, you see that it's Described in various ways, discernment can be described as the act or process of exhibiting keen insight or the ability to judge well or the ability to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. So that's discernment. What is spiritual discernment? 
in this story of Eli and Samuel, it's best understood by that wonderful phrase, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So spiritual discernment is a posture that we take before God to say, you have an answer for this particular question in my life. You have something in mind that is best. Speak so I can understand where you are leading me. Discernment is different than debate. Discernment is different than dialogue. Debate that we see so often nowadays begins with the person having the knowledge. I am the knower and my job is to convince you to agree with me. Dialogue is a step in the right direction because it says, I want to learn from you, and so let me listen to you in such a way that even though we might disagree, I can uh, honor where you are in the process. But discernment goes one step further and it is a critical move because it takes us out of knowing and it takes us even further out of learning into seeking. Debate defends a particular viewpoint. Dialogue suspends judgment. But discernment, discernment offers a holy indifference to all but God's will. So discernment is very important for us because it says we are going to be indifferent to the outcome as long as we know that what we're doing lines up with God's will. We pray it in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a discernment type process where we're saying, we want your will to be done here on earth. We trust that process to happen. A debate resolves by defeating or persuading an opposing side. Dialogue invents unprecedented possibilities and new insights, but discernment goes one step further. Discernment says, I believe that there is a decision that is already out there, and I want to uncover that truth. I want to uncover God's will. So it doesn't make decisions. It tries to receive and find those People are probably most uncomfortable with discernment because of its reliance upon the Holy Spirit. We can look at the beauty of a lily and ponder the Creator God. We can study the words of Jesus and marvel at the claim that Jesus makes on our lives. But it is more mysterious and tricky to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us through transitions in our lives. This is, uh, this is an area that we don't spend a lot of time in church to our own detriment. We believe that God, the Holy Spirit, is active in the world and is there to provide and guide us and to comfort us. So how do we learn about discernment from the Samuel and Eli story? Well, first of all, you notice that God is speaking and God just doesn't give it, give it one shot and move on because we're stupid. God is going to keep after it. 
How many times in the story did Samuel, did, did Samuel hear a voice? Well, it was three times, and then Samuel goes to Eli and says, Okay, if the Lord speaks again, then say this. I'm listening. So on the fourth time, we finally get it. So if it is really God's will, it's not going to go away. Also, it is confirmed by another person. What Samuel needed was an Eli in his life to guide him in the right direction, and we do too. We need people in our lives to say, you know, I think this is where God's leading me. And you might look at me and say, you're completely insane. Or you might look at me and say, I think that is of God, and I think you should listen to it. This is also unexpected. The word of God comes to a boy who at that point, it says in the scriptures, did not know God and did not, had not been trained to listen to God. And so you might be going along in your life and everything you think is fine and then suddenly the word of God comes in and it's unexpected and it changes everything. And also we learn something very important about discernment from this story. That it can be a good word and it can be an easy word and it can lift a burden in your life. But it is not always the case that the word of God is going to be an easy word. The word that, that Samuel heard from God did what? It was a word of judgment against his teacher. And that Samuel didn't sleep for the rest of the night. He laid in his bed and he said, do I really have to do this? And he, and he didn't want to tell Eli that your, your, uh, your time as a temple priest is over. He didn't want to tell Eli that God had given up on him. And we don't even want to hear that ourselves right now on Sunday morning. But this is a word from God that was not easy. But it's exactly the way that Samuel was faithful to that word. Everybody in Israel, it says in the scripture, everyone in Israel knew that he was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Because a trustworthy person is not going to just tell you what you want to hear. A trustworthy prophet is going to be someone who's going to challenge you in your life, even if you may not want to hear it. One of my friends down in Fort Worth said that discernment in our lives has four things that are generally pretty good to judge by. God's call upon our lives is simple. It's impossible. It's not your idea. And it will not go away. I have those. That's been so important to me. I just uh, put those on my desk and see those all the time. It's simple. But it's impossible. How can a little boy tell his teacher that he's taking over his job? That's impossible. It wasn't Samuel's idea to do this. He was fine just lighting the candles and cleaning up after the sacrifices. But it wouldn't go away. Three times, four times, finally, he gets it. But it's simple that God is doing something new. So how do we discern in our lives today? Well, lots of ways. 
as many people are here right now listening to this, there's that many ways to discern God's movement in your life. But here are some guideposts along the way. Read the Bible, but don't necessarily read it to study it, to understand, well, you can, you can go all you want into the historical and the social and the political context that Isaiah found himself in, that Jeremiah found him, that Jesus. But what about reading it spiritually? What about meditating and pondering about how God might be speaking to you through the reading of Holy Scripture? Through silent prayer, we're filled with words, we're filled with images. Close your eyes and sit in silence. Turn off the music, turn off the, the meditative music, and just sit there in silence. And let that silence speak to you, and that will be the most difficult 15 minutes that you ever do but it'll change your life. Some people enjoy journaling. Some people really need, and most of us actually do need, a small group of sharing time. That Emmaus reunion group that meets on Sunday mornings is such a group that is able to intentionally get together and say, what's going on with your life? And I asked the confirmation students on Wednesday, how's your soul? What's going on with your soul? We need people, we need a place to do that. A trusted friend, but this is where it gets tricky. People who say things that irritate you, scare you, and make you mad, guess what? That could be a word that you need to hear. Some of the best employees I had as a manager at Chili's were those, man were those employees who would come to me and say, David, and, and, and let me have it, or tell me about something. But those people who challenged me were the ones who helped to me to be a better manager. And those people in your lives that God has put in your life that you don't like, that you don't agree with, that you don't want to be around, guess what? They probably have something to teach you about your own spiritual life. Some people enjoy walking and listening to God. Some people enjoy art. Sometimes chores that we do, keeping your hands busy, mowing the yard, uh, shoveling snow. You can write some great sermons and, and figure out all the world's problems while you're digging out after the snow. So why bother? Why do we want to do this? Why can't we just go on with our lives the way they are? Well, it's predicated upon the belief that God is up to something. And so do you want to participate in what God is doing? And discernment will free you from the tyranny and the half-truth of making your own decisions, of believing the half-truth that what you do and the decisions you make are ultimate. They are not. They are important. It's a half-truth, but it's not the full truth. The full truth is that we're participating in God's life. Discernment reduces the anxiety of having to make the one right decision. What if I do this or what if I do that? I, I see people all the time who believe I've got to figure out the God's will for my life, that I've got to make sure that I do this one thing. And it's, it's, not to re, it's not to make you more anxious. If you find yourself more anxious, we're not doing it right. Discernment reduces the fear of living with regrets. Because if you're the only one making all the decisions for your life, guess what? You're going to make some wrong decisions. But if you turn that over to God and say, God, help me 
to make my life make sense, then you can trust that what is happening in your life may be a way that God is leading you to something new. And I also want to say when we talk about reading the Bible and praying and coming to church, that oftentimes we think about uh, those people as being uh, needy. You know, if we, if we had it all together, we wouldn't have to depend upon somebody else in our lives. But I would offer to you exactly the opposite, that it actually takes a great deal more courage, much more, if, to men I would say, you're much more of a man if you don't have to be in control of everything. That you can actually give yourself over and let someone else work with you to create something new. So how can you tell if you're getting it right? Discernment with God always builds up community. It impacts other people. It takes you out of the self-centeredness to say, this is all about me and what's best for me and the source of authority of my life is within me. No, this is about how you are participating in the world. Think about those, the funerals and memorial services and the people in your life that have made the biggest impact on you. They were not concerned so much about making sure that they did what was best for them. They made decisions and they worked with God to impact themselves, but that impact made a difference in your life. You can tell if you're getting it right if it enables you to grow in love for God and for neighbor. Again, that word of judgment might help you learn to forgive. It might help you to learn to give more in grace. It's a powerful witness. And this is really important. The discernment helps us say goodbye to those things that are dying and passing away. That the call of Samuel had to necessarily say, because God is creating something new through the words of Samuel, that means we have to say goodbye to Eli and his house. But what that does is it creates something new. And think about this. It reinforces the idea that all of life is a gift. That if you're participating in the divine life, if you're asking God, please help me in this decision, help me through this transition, help me figure out why I'm so angry today, then what is happening is that you are letting go of the, of the lie, the half-truth that says that all your decisions are of you, but actually decisions come outside of ourselves. The whole thing about epiphany and God meeting people, the whole idea of the scriptures is that we're humans and God encounters us and God comes to us. And that's the beautiful movement of the scriptures. And lastly, and from my own experience, it brings personal peace. God, I really feel like I'm being led to leave the Baptist church and become a Presbyterian. If this is not of your spirit, Please let me know. And when the silence is there, the peace is there, and you move forward, and you know that it was the right thing. It was the call of God. So we all know, don't we, that life is a series of transitions.
We keep trying to make life a settled affair. We think that if this happens, then I'll do that, and then we'll all be right with the world. But transitions keep coming, don't they? Transitions never stop. It is in the time of transition that we are likely to say what they said in the book of Samuel, that the word of Lord is rare. It is in transitions that we say things like, the lamp of God had not quite gone out, but we all suspect that the transition is bringing a darkness and it will come in and it will take over us. That's why transitions are so scary. But it is precisely in those times of transition and darkness and confusion and worry that the Lord is most present with us. It is precisely in those times that the word of God becomes precious to us. So I encourage you to be courageous. I encourage you to be faithful right now in your time of transition. Your impulse will be to hunker down and to turn inward, or perhaps your impulse will be to scatter yourself so thin that you lose all sense of self. But the way of hope and the way of new beginning, the way of discernment, is to turn to God. Or we could say, to partner with God. Partner with God with the faithful expectation of Eli and Samuel, who said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The word of the Lord may be rare, but that doesn't mean it never happens. And I do believe that God cares to speak of word of light into your darkness, a word of light into your confusion. God probably doesn't care so much about what you have for breakfast or whether or not you wear a tie to church. But God cares to speak a word of light when it comes to that problem that keep you up at night. God cares about the important decisions regarding health care, about job changes, about finances, about family and parenting decisions. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You see, the Lord has searched you and known you, as it says in Psalm 139, the Lord has searched you and the Lord knows you. And it is the gift of these transitions that you find yourself in, that these transitions will become transformations, where you become something new.